0: This is a special Halloween episode of the podcast. I would normally begin by reading part of the passage of scripture that this episode is based on, but I'm not going to do that this time. This episode is based on a Bible story that is well known, but rarely seen as a ghost story, even though that is what it is. You will recognize the story. I do not doubt that but I wanted to let you do so slowly and gradually. So, here we go. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 4.17 Gospel Ghost Story sit at the very bottom of the boat and do my best to quiet my churning stomach how on earth did I get into this whole mess I mean not just into this boat though in the moment I can think of many reasons for why that was a bad decision the boat is a well-built fishing vessel that has served long and well on this lake. And a few of my mates in the boat with me are very experienced in this type of boat on these waters. But even they are looking pretty panicked at the moment. Even they have already made more than one trip to the gunnels to void their stomachs of so much bread and fish. When we first got on board, The water was calm and the wind low. But we really still should have stopped and given it a thought. Everyone knows the stories about this lake. How it is given to sudden outbursts that can come right out of the blue sky. I felt a strange hesitation. You might call it a a premonition just as I stepped into the boat, a premonition that I should have paid much more attention to. I watched the towering waves with great concern, each moment expecting that the next one might be the one that totally overwhelms the gunnels, or maybe even overturns the boat. I imagine sinking down to a watery grave, knowing that the people that i have loved the family that i still care for will never know what has happened to me but really getting into the boat is only the latest in a long series of very bad decisions when the teacher first came along passing through my village it was so easy to get caught up in all of the excitement around him. He was smart and charismatic. He told these amazing stories that pulled people in and really made them think. Most of all, well, he dared to raise the topics and issues that everyone else seemed to be afraid to talk about. You tended to get swept away when he was speaking. And so, when the teacher spoke directly to me and invited me to come and follow him, it had seemed like the right thing to do. But it was a decision that was hardly without cost. It meant leaving behind family that were depending on me, that had very specific expectations of me, And now, as the waves toss me about on the bottom of this boat, it is like I can hear the thoughts of those family members. I can hear their curses and condemnations against me. And that makes me feel almost as sick as the relentless waves. But choosing to accept that invitation to follow has not only led to those regrets. It also seems to create me such endless anxiety. The teacher is constantly engaged in activities that are designed to provoke the authorities and get us all in so much trouble. For example, just before we got into this boat We were all involved in a seditious and flagrant challenge to the authorities. Everyone knows what the king's priorities are these days. The king is clamping down on the production of, well, everything, especially grain and the fish from this lake. The message is unmistakable. The bread and fish of this land belong to the king and his buddies. They are for trade and sale to foreigners. They do not belong to the people. Not anymore. The people will just have to get by with the leftovers. And sensible people, in response to such a clear message, are playing it safe if they actually manage to get enough food to make it through the week or frankly uh, sometimes just to make it through the day. They are not about to advertise such an achievement by openly celebrating the fact that they can eat. Everyone is living in constant fear that someone will discover that they actually have enough to eat and report them to the authorities. It is a constant, almost unbearable atmosphere of fear. But it's what people have to live through just to stay alive. And yet, what has the teacher gone and done? He went and gathered a huge crowd of people. There had to be thousands of people there, out in the wilderness and let every single one of them eat as much bread and fish as they could hold. It is madness, an open celebratory feast in which the bread and fish of the land are given to the people of the land. What's worse, with that many people participating in such a public feast, well, word is bound to get out someone is bound to say something especially when they are able to get a reward by reporting such sedition so yes it was kind of a relief when the teacher told us that we should get into the boat and leave well he made sure that the crowd dispersed before any officials showed up but again (laughs) we got into the boat which led us here, in the midst of this maelstrom of wind and waves and spray. This, too, feels like punishment for so mindlessly challenging the powers that be in this world. It is with all of these thoughts swirling in my mind... And I make my way one more time to the edge of the boat, and I peek over the side. (laughs) There's nothing left in my stomach to hurl into the depths, but maybe, I hope, this time it will finally seem as if the waves are subsiding at least a little bit. If anything, they are towering even higher over what seems like a smaller and smaller boat every moment. But then, I I see something amid the waves. At first, I just take it for a bit of foam riding against the wind, but then another wave washes by it, and it's still there. It almost shines eerily white against the darkness of the sea and sky. Every moment I expect it to be dispersed by the next gust of wind, but still it persists. And what's worse, it seems to be moving with a purpose, moving towards us. I stare at it intently, trying to make out what it could Possibly be. And I feel a dreadful shiver pass through my body as my poor eyes make out its form. It has a, a human form legs, arms, and body amidst a swirling mass of robes whipping about wildly in the wind. I can make out a head and strands of hair. What dreadful apparition is this? my mind immediately jumps to what has to be my greatest fear it is my father the man that i left behind when i embarked on this foolish adventure as i feared his grief and sorrow at my betrayal has led him to the grave my family now well and truly abandoned has no more protector in this world And he has come, has come to take his vengeance on me for what I have done. I fall back from the gunwale, fall back to the bottom of the deck, as a wordless cry escapes my lips. Ah! And at this sudden sound, which rings out despite all the clamor of the storm, the others look up and then look out to see the object of my fearful gaze. Their reaction, if possible, is even more frenzied than my own, which is something that I actually find comfort in, if only for a moment. They see it too, and that means that this specter, whatever it is, has not come only for me. Perhaps it is not my father, as I would imagined. Another one of my mates calls out the name of his wife, who I know he did leave behind to follow the teacher. He has long feared the worst for her and seems convinced that it is her ghost that has come to reproach him. Indeed, every man seems to be able to see the worst imaginable specter of his regrets come to haunt him. But then... Each one of us becomes aware of the others, and how they are reacting. We all begin to suspect that this ghost has not just come for one of us, but that it must in some sense have come for all of us. And in the moment, that thought seems all the more terrifying. Is it perhaps the ghost of one of our ancestors? Of Abraham or Moses? Is it Samuel? They say that he did once come back from the dead to judge and condemn someone. But whatever specter from the past, surely some great patriarch has come to condemn us to the depths for our abandonment of the traditions of the elders and for the ways that the teacher challenges all the ways of this world. We all know one thing. In the darkness and the chaos of that night on the lake, we are doomed. Every man thinks of a different reason for why he has failed. Each one tallies up a different list of regrets of self recriminations, but in every case, the total is the same. The ghost has come for us. When words start to echo across the waters from the shadowy form, we all fear the worst. These will be words of terror, of condemnation, and doom. But when we finally are able to parse out the words from the tumult and recognize the voice that speaks them, our hearts are filled with wonder and sudden hope. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. As I read over the famous story from the Gospel of Mark of the storm on the Sea of Galilee earlier this month, the story of how Jesus came to his disciples "Walking on the water." I was struck by the phrase, but when they saw him walking on the sea they thought it was a ghost, and cried out. I wondered why no one ever seems to have taken the idea that they thought they were dealing with a ghost seriously; we seemed to just treat it as a reason to think that they were maybe kind of primitive and naive but don't really dwell on what it might have meant for them to think that they were dealing with a ghost. You see, I believe that ghosts really are powerful. I don't mean to say by that that I believe in ectoplasmic supernatural beings wandering around graveyards or anything like that. But I do believe that ghosts have enormous power over the human psyche. Belief in ghosts and stories about ghosts are one of the ways that from ancient times people have processed important feelings like regret, remorse, grief, and the fear of death. That's why all of the stories about them, once you get below the surface, deal in such things. And what did the disciples of Jesus have to regret? Probably a lot. Following Jesus in that world, under the conditions that people were facing, would have cost them a lot. Surely they did deal with serious moments of doubt, regret, and grief. Maybe especially when Jesus wasn't around. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next one in a couple of weeks. A five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or some other podcasting platform is a great way to help other people find this podcast. The theme music for the podcast is Ah Duh, and the mood music for this episode is Vanishing. The music is by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under the Creative Commons, and can be found at Incompetech.com. You can contact me on Twitter, at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page, Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.